0: Hey, it's Ella. I am so glad that we are spending this time together today because I have really wanted to revisit a topic that I haven't touched for probably two years. The second half of this episode is actually going to be a replay of a show that I did in 2018, and I'll explain that in just a moment, but this is me, real time, it's July 2022, I'm talking today about body image. I'm talking about overcoming body image issues. This topic is obviously an enormous umbrella under which many, many other topics fall. But I was so inspired by you. I got a phone call from a listener, a longtime listener who I love, and I won't share her name on the air, but I'm going to share her message and a little bit about why this topic continues to be so important to us. Now, why do I consider this my final word on body image? Well, we kind of jump into that in this episode, but the short version is, this is something that has consumed so many years of my life. And when I recorded the second half of the show again in 2018, I felt as though I was finally on the other side of something. Do you know what I mean? I joke a lot about how other podcasts or people in the interweb spheres will say, oh, I used to struggle with this and now I'm completely fine and just do what I do here, buy this. You know, I'm a little bit cynical about that. And I'm here to tell you that I truly can say I have healed so much from that constant journey of trying to hack myself. Now, is it completely over for me? No. I'm in my late 40s. Do I still care about learning how to stay my fittest, most vibrant self? Yes, absolutely. Am I now more concerned about aging and looking older and that sort of thing than I ever was? Also true. (laughs) I'm not here to lie to you. I'm just here to tell you that I am not spending my day's energy on how to fix my body. That is such a load of baggage that I dropped. I left it in baggage claim. It can stay there forever. And in so doing, I want to share with you that that is possible, that getting sucked into the vortex of trying to fix your physical self, that that is such a compromise of your life's energy and your life's work. If this show can help any one of you reduce that burden, lessen that baggage, then I'm here for it. Let me first share the voice message that I got that prompted this in the first place. And I will put my phone number in the show notes because I would love to hear from you as well. And you can always call me and leave me a message.
1: Hi, Ella. This is and you have permission to share this. Just kind of my take as a woman in her 50s. I just feel so overwhelmed by all the information out there and all the do this, do that. I've listened to, you know, podcasts on intermittent fasting, my book. You know, I just recently shelled out over three grand to do Dr. menopause program. And to be honest, I cannot eat 130 grams of protein a day to get to my goal weight. And I can't drink protein shakes anymore. I just, I just want to eat normal and I just want to feel normal about it. But, I have no idea what normal is anymore and I'm just exhausted and overwhelmed and that leads me to want to do nothing. I know that's also the wrong answer. So I just, I don't know if you're still struggling, but I know like this has been an issue for you in the past and you just, you want to get beyond it because we all have so much more life to give and if we could stop focusing on all these things, imagine all the amazing things we could do instead. So that's it. I love you tons, and I just feel like I needed to to voice it to someone who gets it. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Okay, you can hear the frustration, right? Perhaps you can even relate to the frustration. So normal, so common, so relatable, right? That's the first thing that I want to say. The more we talk about these things, the more we bring them to light, the less control they have over us. And so today, my goal is simply to share with you kind of my Final, again, if you will, my final word on what I did to mitigate, to reduce my body image fixation in the hopes that it helps you. But it's also somewhat specifically to share six insights that changed my perspective here forever, and then some actionable tips that helped me. So it's to share what actually worked for me. Now, One quick disclaimer, I got feedback after this show because I referred to my body changing because of childbirth, I think twice in this episode, and I got feedback when this show originally aired from someone who was not able to have children, and she said at the time that she would kill to have that problem, and it was something that I, frankly, was fairly glib about in this episode. I think that's really useful feedback, so I want to recognize that here because I didn't edit it out. I also refer to myself, and I use like some pretty harsh terms, it's in the context of a conversation about how all of this stuff is totally subjective and how I would have been perceived had I lived in the 1920s. Okay, that was a period in time in the US where. I personally would not have been in vogue, okay? <laughs> not in fashion whatsoever. I say that because I I use really harsh terms to describe how I would have been perceived during that time, and it's a little it's a little rough. So four years later, I hear that, and I'm like, okay, that was a little much. So just know I did not edit this episode from 2018. I would phrase things slightly differently, but I hope you will hear the spirit and the intent, the tools and the tips and the strategies behind this, and I hope it helps you. All right. I wanted to bring this to light, share it one more time, and I leave it here for posterity. I hope that you will share this with someone, a friend, a daughter, someone who might need to come back to this from time to time. If you want more about my background, by the way, go to episode 134. It's called My Most Dysfunctional Relationship Ever. If you're subscribed to the show, then you will see the episode numbers. If you don't see episode numbers, it's because you're not subscribed. All you have to do is press the button in Apple or wherever you're listening to subscribe and you will see the episode numbers. Episode 134. It's called my most dysfunctional relationship ever. And it walks you through my very tumultuous history with food and self. Okay, without further ado, here is body image and what's working for me. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and it's been a while, and that's because I'm recording and dropping this one in real time, my friends, right after having gotten back from the first, the inaugural Live Better Retreat in Scottsdale, Arizona. How do I speak about that weekend, the Live Better Retreat, the first time I've ever hosted an event just for this community? How do I find words to describe it without engaging in hyperbole? Um, life-changing, life-altering, life-affirming, (laughs) oxygen-giving. It was one of the most extraordinary experiences that I've had in my adult life, and that's not hyperbole. So this is a big, fat, warm shout-out, and thank you to everyone who made that weekend possible, including the helpers. So many helpers, you guys, not just the people that came who were, of course, Absolutely amazing. And now I consider my close and personal friends, but just so many helpers. I cannot tell you how this event just flowed. I I didn't stress about it. It just happened. It flowed. People flowed in and flowed out and just so many, so many helpers. It was such an amazing experience that I promise you I will be doing it again and in different locations. So if you did not make it to this year's Live Better Retreat, do not fret. There will be one and you will know when you're meant to be there. Now, we had an impromptu conversation at Live Better, and it really got me thinking about some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. And that's all around the concept of body image. And this is a big fat topic, one widely discussed in the interwebs, obviously. But I just I have some things to say about this. And a lot of it has to do with my own journey and the journey that so many of us are on. And I hope that that something you might hear in today's conversation might spark something inside of. Of you, But I just feel like we need to talk about managing our thoughts around our own body image, especially, of course, when we aren't feeling it. And ironically, I've learned that how I feel has very, very little to do with how I actually look. Have you ever noticed that to be true about yourself? Like I've looked great and felt like trash. I have looked, you know, I look back now and I would kill to have those days problems. you know. And of course, at the time, all I could tell you was what was wrong with me. And then I've looked less great and less bounce a quarter off my abs. That's an adjective. I've looked less bounce a quarter off my absy and I felt sexy and confident and strong and capable. Like how we feel about ourselves has so little to do with how we actually look. I've met so many women and have so many women in my own life and you do in yours who are just beautiful, radiant women. And you have no idea that they're unhappy with the way that they look. All I see is radiance and beauty and lusciousness and sexy and confident and smart, kick-ass women. And they're dealing with a head game. Well, I've been there, been there. I cycle through there regularly. I've picked up a few tools along the way and a few ways to think about this. And I want to share them with you. As always, you know, I haven't cracked the nut. It's not over. I haven't solved it. And now I'm ready to kit it out to you. Like the three ways to topple your body image issues. Like that's not what I'm selling here, my friends. But I can tell you that I've gained an enormous amount of perspective on this in the past couple of years, just because my body was doing whatever it wanted. (laughs) Sometimes that was quote good. And sometimes it was less appealing to me. And throughout the whole process, I've had to get the mental game right. And it is a mental game. Notice I said that I want to talk to you about managing our thoughts around body image. Because as I've already pointed out to you, that is all it is. I mean, think of someone right now in your life, in your circle, in media, I don't care where you pluck them from. But think of them and they're not a size X, whatever you've decided is the ideal size, right? And of course, it's all relative, like don't even get me started. But just pick someone who doesn't have a traditional, I don't know, let's say fitness model shape, and they're just knock your socks off beautiful because they're radiating something from the inside. Confidence and light and energy you want to be around. I can think of half a dozen people like that immediately right now, right? And then think about some people who are super chiseled and have what Instagram says is a perfect body, and they're miserable, right? And and by the way, just because you're lean and chiseled doesn't mean you have to be miserable either. <laughs> that's That's not a thing. But my point is that what we're talking about right now is thought work, how we think about ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, and honestly, how we show up in the world. Body image can even start to feel and sound shallow, but isn't this really about showing up, how we show up? Do you not have moments where you just don't want to be seen you feel like you would, you feel like you're invisible or you almost want to be invisible because you don't want to show up or you have to go on and do life, right? But you just like, you almost want to render yourself invisible from the neck down. And again, it's not what size dress you're wearing. It's how you feel and how you think about how you feel. So let's talk about another thing that we hear and we get confused about in conversations about body image and how we show up in the world and how we feel. I hear a lot about self-love. I hear a lot about grabbing that piece of belly that will just now forever hang over your pants because you had a baby, (laughs) grabbing it and telling it that you love it because it made a baby or carried a baby, or looking in the mirror and regarding yourself with self-love. And honestly, like, that's amazing. Please do. That sounds great. But what about when you cannot do that because you do not feel that? I don't want to just cut us off from hope and just be like, well, I can never, like, this this body image thing, positive body image, that's not for me because I can't channel self-love. I mean, honestly, when I am not feeling like being seen or when I'm feeling out of sorts, like, self-love, that's not my go-to. Like, that's not where I start. And Frankly, it's rarely where I finish. I think it doesn't require self-love as much as it requires acceptance, gratitude, and perspective. Acceptance, gratitude, and perspective have saved me from drowning in that sea of self-consideration where I can't get out of my own head. And not once have I ever self-loved my way or bubble bathed my way out of that. And again, I am not saying that those aren't viable strategies. I just wanted to talk to those of you who are like me and you're like, that's great, but I can't give myself a big hug and talk myself out of this place. Like sometimes I just feel miserable or I look, I feel like I'm showing up in the world miserably. So let's talk about it. Let's tell the truth about it. I want to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to share some insights that I've had, but then I'm going to share some very specific tools that I use. So this is both sort of strategic and tactical. So I just want you to know where we're going. I'm starting with conceptual stuff and thought work, but then I'm going to give you brass tacks. So that's where we're headed. All right, let me just break down those three words for you. So you have a feel for where I'm headed. Acceptance. Acceptance is the difference between going, I love my body. I love my squishy places and saying, oh, look, there's my body. (laughs) There it is. I have one. (laughs) Gratitude would be, I have a working body. Lucky me. Look at this body that my partner loves so much. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a partner, somebody loves you. Who loves you? Okay, because they love you for who you are and not what you look like and not how you show up on the outside. Yes? So channeling acceptance, which also involves things like buying clothes that fit and going to the side of the closet where those clothes that you haven't fit into for a very long time and they're there to shame you back into them, or they're hopeful and they're aspirational and they're doing you how much good? Acceptance is about getting rid of that stuff and getting rid of those anchors and just being like here I am. This is today me. I accept that this is who I am. I accept that I have the power to progress. I have the power to change. And I also have the power to accept me for just right this moment, maybe even dial in a little gratitude and be super grateful that I have two arms and two legs that work, or that I'm not confound to a wheelchair, or that I can just get up and have freedom of movement because I live in a place where that is acceptable. I mean, I don't mean... To shame us into feeling grateful, it's just a little dose of gratitude to remind us of how freaking blessed we are, is not entirely inappropriate. You with me? Okay. So that's all about perspective also, but I want to speak to the word perspective specifically. Perspective is realizing several things. It's realizing that this is a relative game. I mean, I don't know about you, but the compare and despair phenomenon has never been more true except when it comes to body image. Like, I can be feeling absolutely amazing, and you show me a picture of Elle McPherson, and I feel like a piece of trash. (laughs) Elle McPherson. I don't even know where I got that. I can be feeling on top of my game and all I have to do is look at a picture of someone who I think looks way more on top of their game and all of a sudden I feel like trash again. I mean, I can literally do this to myself by opening social media or looking at something in regular old media. I mean, show me a picture of a Victoria's Secret Angel or one of those stupid commercials comes on and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm short, homely, just for a second, (laughs) right? But it happens. So compare and despair, that's a real thing. What is the truth we should be looking for in that? Well, the fact that it is entirely relative. So it's relative in that sense, but it's also relative like this. I can compare to someone else. I've just given you an example of that. But I also can compare to different versions of me. Let's talk about that. I can compare to previous me, historical me. So maybe when I was hardcore triathlon and training and my job wasn't quite as nuts as it might be now or it was, but I just didn't have other things competing for my time. Or maybe it's just because I was a little bit younger, but I was on point right? So maybe now I compare myself to that me and I'm like, oh, she was so much more fit than I might ever be again. You know, I can feel like that. I can channel me at 19 years old. Have you ever done that? Pull up a picture of yourself when you were 10 years younger, five years younger, 20 years younger, and then beat yourself up because you aren't that person anymore? What about comparing yourself to ideal you? Like, this person doesn't exist. This is just ideal you. This is what you should look like, right? (laughs) Or what you would look like if you would stop doing X, Y, Z. Or what you know you could look like if you only. This is my favorite. We're comparing and despairing against fictional us. Like, let's think about that for just a moment. Now, the antidote to all of this is true confidence and confidence will defeat the power of comparison. But still, not going to lie, it still requires thought work. Like it still requires discipline in the moment because frankly, I think we're bombarded with images of what we consider to be ideal. Now, your ideal probably looks different than my ideal and his ideal and her ideal. They look different than our ideals. There is not an ideal. Certainly there are cultural norms and societal norms and historical norms, and they all change and they shift up and down. And that's another example of how relative this is. But my point is entirely different. It's that just the comparison, it doesn't matter who you're comparing yourself to, just the comparison will result in despair so much of the time. So I think in understanding that, there's a lot of power and acknowledging that this is relative. In fact, let's talk about those historical and cultural norms for just a second. Like in 1955, I would have been a rock star, okay, (laughs) because that's my body. In 1920, I would have been an obese cow or held 1992. Thanks, Kate Moss, right? (laughs) Find a place in history and you can find the place where your God-given shape is like completely acceptable and fine. And then another period in history where it's absolutely just intolerable right? Now, another thing about perspective is it helps you consider the diet culture that we live in now. It helps you consider things that I've talked about into the ground that started coming to light around episode 131 when the veil was sort of ripped off my eyes by Isabel Fox and Duke. And I was like, oh, wait, this is actually about robbing myself of my own power because I keep trying to look a certain way that was dictated to me by somebody else. What? That doesn't feel right. But the diet culture is one where we say things like, we're going to eat clean, and we're going to go paleo, or we're going, and I'm not picking on any of those things. Obviously, like, I like to eat well, I like to eat healthy. That's not my point. It's where we batter ourselves and try to force ourselves into submission, and we call it wellness. When you can have a little bit of perspective, you can start seeing diet culture for what it is and choose whether you participate or not and to what level. What I am talking about, my friends, is awareness and consciousness. That is all. It's up to you how much you want to participate in it. But when we do it unconsciously, we do it without power. I definitely do not have both hands and feet outside of diet culture. I'm not going to lie. Like I am definitely definitely still brainwashed into thinking that I need to show up a certain way. I definitely have that. It's definitely not not gone away. What I'm trying to do is gather us all here together and say to you, yeah, that's great. That's where that's where you may be. That's where I am. But what I'm going to not do is spend my entire life, the rest of my life beating myself up about how I look or don't look or worrying about how I'm showing up in the world or having my day dictated by my body image and how I'm feeling that day and how I show up in the world. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm trying to paint a picture here and breaking the force of that apart through acceptance, through gratitude and perspective, not annihilating it, just being the master of it so that it is not the master of me. The point is that this is thought work and mental discipline and mental muscles that we need to identify and then work them out and work them out and work them out so that they will grow. You can do this with the power of just managing your own thoughts. Let me share a little bit about how I do that. I have six insights that are honestly mental muscles that I've started identifying because I had them all along just like you do, but I wasn't working them out. So they were tiny. They were like flabby little, tiny little arms. And I've been working them out and working them out. Now you can see a little bit of the bicep. And hopefully after a little while, you'll see a little bit of the tricep, right? (laughs) And so I'm building these mental muscles and they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger remember, I'm going to share these with you, and then I'm going to give you brass tacks. But let me share the insights first. The first one is the power of seasons. You've heard me talk about that before. When I realize that my body goes through seasons, and right now as I record this, it's spring, and it's getting warmer, and it's lighter later, and I love it, and it's giving birth to fit me. I love fit me so much. Fit me makes me so happy and confident, and I love it, and it's great, and I know Already that it's a season. I know that I won't be quite as fit and quite as trained up come winter. And I will have the mental capacity now because I'm building those muscles, the mental capacity to know that and not then trash my body this winter because the season is changing. I'm being literal and metaphorical. (laughs) It's not just that my body changes with the seasons, which it entirely does because I'm much more active in the summer. I mean, I stay active all year round, right? But I mean, I train for triathlon and I do a heck of a lot more of that in the warmer months. It just makes sense, right? And in the winter, I allow allow myself to just chill a little bit. But some years I don't and I do the chill part, but I don't do the mental part and I start hating myself. And when I hate myself, I treat my body differently. And then I have a self-fulfilling prophecy. You with me? Okay, so the power of seasons recognizes that your body goes through phases. Maybe your season isn't driven by mother nature. Maybe your season is driven by the fact that you have small children, or maybe you have lots of children, or maybe you have a parent that needs your attention, or maybe you're dealing with something that's more important than what your gene size is or what your exercise routine is this month. Maybe you're going through school. Maybe you're moving. Maybe you're renovating. Maybe you have a job that's going through a phase. Maybe your company's getting bought out. Do I need to go on? When we recognize that life is not steady and that it goes up and it goes down, and it goes up and it goes down and we are in different seasons, it allows us to employ my second insight, which is the power of language, okay? It allows you to determine the narrative that is running your life, so if I'm in a season where work is a hundred percent consumptive and then I'm fitting in things like, I don't know, being a mom, being a wife, being a human being, that sort of thing, and, and exercising and, and being in tip top shape is maybe priority 715. It's so different when I use language around that than when I just sort of stuff it all. So language around that might be, so this is that four weeks where I'm traveling every single week, where I'm trying to be a mom, I'm trying to be a wife, and work is extremely demanding. I think I'm going to choose that going to the gym five days a week is not my priority right now. I can't wait to be on the other side of this four weeks. It's a season. When I employ the power of language, I can say things like, I am choosing not to exercise this week because it is not my priority. That is so different than just having life happen to you. I can say, I can use powerful I am statements that actually serve the narrative I want to create instead of letting my brain do the thought work for me. Now this combines with the third insight And that is the power of intention. So when you combine language and intention, you can say things to yourself like, I recognize that I am in a mourning period. Say you had a loss in your family or you're in a period of suffering for some reason. And you say, you know what? I am using food as a comfort right now. I am in fact letting food be a comfort to me right now. And I'm not going to fight that. I'm actually going to be in that period for this short season because I know that it's a season. I'm weaving the power of seasons, the power of language, and the power of intention. And I am acknowledging what is instead of numbing out, trying to shove it in a closet, trying to eat my way through it and not have the feelings. And I am stating what is, and that feels so much better in my body. And also, you can do this with food itself. You can do this when you open the refrigerator and you see the thing that you're supposed to be avoiding. It's actually usually in the pantry or the freezer. Am I right? (laughs) But you can say, I'm going to eat this pint of ice cream and I'm going to do it by myself and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. You can say things like that to yourself and then you can deliver on that. Sometimes the saying of it will have you not deliver on it because sometimes dragging that stuff into the light makes it lose a little bit of its power and its like seductive powers over you. And sometimes you'll want the pint of ice cream and it happens. <laughs> but that's not what we do. What we do is we shove it all down, right? Whatever the thing is. And then we're like, it's okay because I'm going to feel guilty about it later or I'm going to start over tomorrow or yada, yada, yada. I'm saying, state your intention, use language that serves your purpose, give yourself a break, but call it what it is. All right. Number four is a little bit different. Number four is the power of staying in your body, especially if you don't want to, especially if you don't even want to look at it. So I have had seasons where I didn't even want to see myself in the mirror. Throughout the entire process, I will say through blind luck and a little bit of experience that I have practiced staying in my body. You've heard me talk about this before. It means things like not dressing in the loosest clothing you can every day of your life and trying to make yourself invisible from the neck down. It means... Showing up and looking great in clothes that actually fit you. It means going for a walk and maybe even squeezing your butt and calling it a power walk. Or just walking the dog or just strolling through the woods or whatever works for you wherever you are. Moving your body because that body will be there for you when the mental game clears up and when the season passes. And that body is going to be so much better if you didn't cut yourself off from it. Now, if you can't take long walks on the beach during your day, then when you get up in the morning, spend five minutes stretching, five minutes. Don't disassociate from your body. That body will be there for you when you get your head game right. So treat it like it's with you forever. Number five is the power of environment. This is something that I've really had to have like a reckoning with myself and really, really, really be honest about this. So I believe in the power of creating an environment that supports how you want to feel. I'll tell you what I mean. So a couple of things. One is I listen to very few, if any at this stage, wellness and health driven, health focused podcasts. And there's lots of reasons for that. I certainly do listen to them for research for the show, but I'm talking about my regular subscribes and the shows I listen to just for pure entertainment purposes. And I have un- had to unsubscribe from them, not because they're bad. I mean, some of them aren't the healthiest in the world, but Because I couldn't get my mental game right while I was also feeding and fueling the part of me that's not willing to fully let go of diet culture. And so in pursuit of wellness, I was still hacking at my body. I was eating things because of what they did for me instead of because how I wanted to feel. I was trying out new things that sounded like magic bullets that maybe this will crack the nut, maybe this will help me. I was hacking, 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 and really, frankly, making myself miserable. That's all on me. Those people are not accountable for that. That's on me. I needed to mop up that environment, and I needed to just throw my health and wellness podcasts in the bin for that reason, even the good ones, because it's almost like I was abusing them, if that makes any sense at all, okay? I had to delete a bunch of Instagram accounts. I did that once and then I got really honest with myself a few months later and I did it again and I cleaned house. And I literally was like, how does this picture make me feel? (laughs) And some of them, I know, you know, I kept them in my feed because I thought that they were aspirational. And the truth is, they just make me feel like crap. That whole compare and despair thing. Apparently, I was slightly more vulnerable to that than I realized. And I thought, well, that sounds weak. And then I was like, you know what? Let me look, let me flip the script here. What if I follow people that make me want to be a better human and put less emphasis on my physical body? That seems good. <laughs> I started reading different books. I started li- listening to different podcasts. Frankly, I started opening up my world past things that had to do with my self image. The bottom line is when you create an environment that supports how you want to feel, it can still be aspirational, but it doesn't need to make you feel like crap because shame. Turns out, not an effective strategy. You with me? The sixth and final insight, you know, mind shift that I had to have, mental muscle that I had to work on was the power of perspective. And this loops back to how I opened this conversation with you. And that is about acceptance, gratitude, and the relativity of this moving target. When I understood that I was constantly comparing myself to ideal me or maybe past me or something of that nature... And then when I, I'll be honest with you, okay, side story. I was listening to two older women, significantly older than I, like 25, 35 years older than I, and I was listening to them, I was kind of eavesdropping, and they were having a conversation, the type of conversation I used to have in college with my girlfriends, and they sounded exactly like I did when I was 21 years old, talking about how hideous they were, and how if, oh, but the other one is so much cuter than they are, and oh, but no, you're so skinny and little, and look at me, you know. And they're describing themselves as some sort of troll. And they're having this conversation. And I was just looking at them. And I thought, okay, I don't have conversations like that anymore. I definitely have stopped doing that type of outward negative talk, trash talking. Um, But I certainly... Certainly have not mastered the inner game 100%, right? I still talk to myself that way, or I still have to fight down those thoughts when I see myself in an unflattering angle, or God help me in the wrong dressing room lighting. <laughs> and I thought, wow, not to pick on those two women, but wow. I don't want to be them. And, and let me flip this around because I just, just the other night was at an event and I happened to be volunteering with a bunch of teenage girls. And I said something that sparked a conversation because God forbid I just like volunteer with them. Of course, we have to change lives, don't we? And they said something. And I said, you know what, ladies? I said, I just wish somebody had looked at me when I was your age and said, you've got two options. You know, you came in this package, and you have two options. One is to own it. And the other one is to trash it for the rest of your life through thought, word, or deed. Your choice. Two choices. Own it, maybe even love it, or trash it. I want to like shake them by the shoulders and be like, just pick option A. <laughs> like, save yourself so many decades of strife and just own it and just be comfortable no matter what size clothes you're wearing right now. I beg you. It turns out I think we have to all go on this journey on our own, but I thought it was super useful. I thought the comparison between those older women and those young, young, almost women, and everyone's dealing with this in some way or another, and not everybody struggles with body image, by the way. I don't mean to imply that. I just mean that most of us have, have stepped foot on this path at some point or another, and frankly, these these principles are universal, Depending on what it is you are actually struggling with. So anyway, my side story is over, but the power of perspective and using acceptance, like, Oh, look, here's my body. It's here. It showed up for me today. Gratitude. Oh, I have a, I'm alive. That's cool. <laughs> like that beats the alternative. Let's see what I can do with myself today. And then recognition of the relativity of the whole thing. Those are powerful tools. Now I want to tell you how I actually employ them. So here are my tips. Here are like the things that I want you to put in your toolkit and pull out when you need them. Okay? The first Thing that I do is I call out what I am doing. I name it. I say, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm beating myself up because I found a little tiny flaw that I would like to make enormous and de- like determine the rest of my day. Or, oh, look, you're shaming yourself hoping for an inspired result. That hasn't worked, but I'm sure it'll start working eventually. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> or, Oh, I've got, you know, lots of things to do with my life, lots of things to do today. I have an idea. Why don't I instead spend that time focusing on, you know, which pair of jeans I'm, I'm, I'm rocking today. When you call it out, when you name that you're engaging in compare and despair, when you name that you're like, creating imposter syndrome because the people in that yoga class look fitter than you are. And then that is a really convenient excuse for never having to go back. Like when you name what you're doing, it can lose its power over you. So number one thing that I do is I call it out and I name my behavior. The second thing that I do is I focus on how I want to feel now and kind of overall, instead of on how I want to look. This has changed my life. I mean, I have the happy, happy circumstance right at this moment to be talking to you in a more fit body than I had six months ago. Like lucky me, I cannot tell you how much focusing on how I wanted to feel helped me get where I feel good instead of focusing on what I didn't want and how I hated the way that I looked or how negatively I felt about whatever it was. And I don't mean focus on how you want to feel and then you'll lose weight. That's not our message. (laughs) Okay. But a funny thing happens when you pick your adjectives and you're like, I want to feel powerful. I want to feel strong. I want to feel confident. I want to feel sexy. I want to feel radiant. I want to feel. Please pick your adjectives. They're yours to pick. When you can name them and you operate from a place to get to those adjectives, it is such a different mindset. It brings a totally different energy. Just say it in your body right now. I am strong. I am confident. I am a powerful woman. I am a powerful human. I am here to do something. Can you say that? Can you feel the chemical change in your body instead of all the negative things that we might run in our scripts playing in our head? So I focus on how I want to feel instead of how I want to look. And you may have already heard this in what I just shared. I employ language that works. Those I am statements change my state. I can say to myself, even when I'm not feeling it, I am sexy no matter what. Do you believe that that can be true for you no matter what your circumstances? Can you humor that idea with me for a moment? I am sexy no matter what. I mean, think of someone right now who is sexy no matter what size they are. There are actually a lot of examples in media right now. We are starting to move away from the idea that sexy has to fit into a certain size, but there are still so many other expectations. (laughs) I'm not ready to hold media up as like our bastion of diversity or acceptance, but surely you can picture someone right now who is sexy no matter what. Well, guess what? So are you. It's all a head game. So decide. I am sexy no matter what. And I'll tell you something. I don't care if I was lying to myself. It helped. (laughs) It helped. And it's true when it's true. It's true when you think it, because then you can be it. And then, my friend, you will see it. So I employ language that works for me. The other thing that I do is I zoom out. This is my number one, what do I do tip, When I really need to get out of my own head, when it comes to my body image, I zoom out. Literally, stop looking for flaws and looking for what's wrong and zoom out. You can pinch things. I mean, I can sit down and like hunch over and then point to the piece of my belly that like comes over the top of my jeans and I can point it to my husband and be like, look, look what my son did to me. (laughs) right? Or I can zoom out and I can be like, look at this body. Like, look at what this body does. Not only did it make a human, high five, but it does a whole lot of other things. And frankly, I'm sexy no matter what. I'm going to zoom out and stop looking for flaws. I'm also going to zoom out on my life. And this is this is what really ripped the veil off for me and why I will never, ever, ever be the same. When I really zoomed out, And I realized how much time and energy was going into my self-image and my body image, not in a vanity way, you guys. I've never been like, oh, I'm all that in a bag of chips, like ever. And I've never had to be fully put together to leave the house or anything. It's not vanity. So it was more subtle than that, sneakier than that. It was just this belief that my worth was entirely tied to my physical appearance. Entirely. I mean, when you realize how shallow that truly is because you have the power to zoom out, you're like, wait, not shallow like, oh, let's beat ourselves up with shame. No, 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 no. Shallow like, oh my gosh, I'm so much deeper than that. Like there's so many more sides to me than that. More importantly or more usefully, what else am I here for? That one question, I can never get it out of my head again and I never intend to. What else am I here for? So let's say I am two sizes bigger. Let's say I'm fluffy and I'm going through a season with no fitness in it. Instead, I'm, you know, I'm kicking ass in other areas of my life. I ask myself, what else am I here for? Was I put on this earth to obsess about my waist size? Was I put on this earth to show up looking a certain way or at a certain level of fit? What else am I here for? What else are you here for? When I think like that, I think about 86-year-old me. I don't know why I landed on 86, you guys. It just seems like 86. You know, I'll still be, I'll be super old, but I'll be super feisty still. (laughs) 96 feels a little frail. So 86-year-old me, you've heard me talk about her before, 86-year-old me looks at me now and says, what are you doing, spending your time worrying about what you look like and whether people will think you're fit or whether your butt should be lifted up two inches or whether your boobs are saggier now that you've had a baby or now that I've had a baby, he's 17. (laughs) 86-year-old me, is it's just so obvious to her how much time that I'm wasting. Well, I want to introduce you to another concept and that's six-year-old you. Can you conceive of six-year-old you in front of you right now? Maybe you're in the car. Put her in the car seat next to you. I mean, she shouldn't be in the front, but you know, it's our imagination. It'll be fine. Can you picture six-year-old you sitting at the table with you and you look into her eyes and you say, hey, little me, let me tell you something. Your body's going to go through changes and sometimes it will frustrate you. And sometimes you'll be just radiantly beautiful. And sometimes you'll feel like it. And sometimes you won't. And sometimes it'll do things that you don't even know what it's doing. It feels like it's in charge and you have no idea what's going on. And sometimes you'll need helpers to help you figure that out. And sometimes you'll be uncomfortable. And sometimes you'll have pain. And sometimes you'll be fit. And sometimes you won't. And sometimes, and sometimes, and sometimes. And you'll describe the seasons to her, okay? And you look into little you's eyes and you say, and let me tell you something. When you are four sizes too big or you are two sizes too small, you are worth nothing. Just to be clear, little me, your worth is measured in your gene size. And if you don't shape up, like your life is meaningless. You are not worthy. You do not matter. Okay, even just like this hypothetical situation is freaking me out and I don't wanna carry it on any further. Can you imagine looking at six-year-old you and telling her that her worth will be entirely tied to her physical appearance? Can you even conceive of that scenario without feeling bile in your throat? How about you look at six-year-old you and you say, hey, little me, your body's going to go up and it's going to go down and it's going to go sideways. And sometimes it's going to feel upside down or maybe not. Maybe that's not your journey. I just want you to know, that none of that has anything to do with who you are, you beautiful, radiant, perfect thing. You beautiful little me. I cannot wait to see what you do in this world. We are so ready to see the worth in others. We're so ready to see the beauty in others. We're so ready to see what's attractive about other people and tell them like what they're good at and just admire them. Well, I've got news for you you don't get to be the exception. You don't get to be the one person who's not worthy. You don't get to be the exception to worth. You don't get to self-select yourself to be the one person who does not benefit from love and worth and confidence and power. You don't get to be the exception. So if it's true for the people that you love and the people that you admire and the people that you see and the people that feel love from you, if it's true for them, my friend, it is true for you. You aren't the exception. You matter in everybody you show up in. There's a Latin phrase, memento mori. And it means remember you die. And it's actually very life affirming because when you remember that we all have our own expiration date and we don't even know when it is, it makes it so much easier to just think about that question again, you know, what else am I here for? What else do I have to do? What else do I want to do in this life? So zoom out, my friends, zoom out and look at your life with a wide angle lens and know that I love you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at OnAirWithElla or get the show notes and all the links shared today at OnAirElla.com. There's no if. It's just OnAirElla.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me.
1: You are quite simply awesome.